Right. So, you know, we, 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 the kinds of clients that are using uh, the livestock finance, um, they're growing. G'day. Welcome back to the Farms Advice Podcast. Yes, it's another Tuesday and that means another cracking episode, but we're doing a little bit something different for the month of September and maybe into a little bit of October. Uh, we're piecing together some financial episodes. We did a survey, a question. We asked you a question on social media and you were looking for more sort of financial-based episodes. So we hopefully we've answered your questions. Um, we'll have a ra- range of financial episodes coming on. Um, this is the very start of them and it's up to you to... Get what you can out of each episode, but just know myself and the guests do not know your personal circumstances and none of this information is to be taken as financial advice and just for general information only and how you work with your own scenario and go ahead and work with your professionals, your accountant, financial advisors, whoever you have in your court, um, get them vouching for you. And they'll know best along with yourself. So let's get cracking. Well, welcome to the Farms Advice Podcast, Sophia Benedetti. Great to have you on. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here. Amazing. And it's also, this is probably our first real interaction. It's great to meet other people within agriculture, whether they live in the city or the country and helping out what farmers do and um, giving them the tools to survive. But we'd like to find out a little bit about you as well. What's your background and how did you end up in the role that you are today? Oh, thanks. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, my background is um, I was born in South Africa and I migrated to Australia in 2006. Um, I was in investment banking back home in the telco sector and I moved to WA with my husband, newly married. He's an engineer. It was sort of the start of the mining boom. Um, And I joined West Farmers um, and I was in the corporate office for a couple of years and then joined the fertilizer business, which is where I developed my absolute love for ag. So um, broad acre, ag as you, you know, uh, wheat and canola, uh, mostly a part of the world. Um, And then had um, other roles within West Farmers in Sydney and then more recently here in Brisbane Um, was the CFO of NAPCO, which is where I met Richard. Is the co-founder of the business and um, yeah, continue my um, learning in ag, um, in the in the cattle industry, and now in livestock finance. And plenty to learn as well from the farmers end, and also from your end that supplies these services um, and products for us to use. Tell us a little bit about Legacy Livestock, how it came about, why it came about, um, and what it sort of stands for. Yeah, thank you. Um, We provide livestock finance solutions. We're very client-centric. We're interested in understanding our clients' businesses and how we can help them. So um, we're funding uh, cattle and sheep. Uh, We're funding uh, fattening, clients that are fattening um, animals, uh, breeding, uh, feedlotting. The way it came about is um, I worked with Richard Brummelcombe at NAPCO and uh, when we left, both left that business, we started Legacy. Uh, Richard had previously run a, a business, a livestock finance business, and had a bit of unfinished business <laughs> in terms of, you know, delivering things for clients that 
um, you know, we felt we we could could do. Um, and so um, we're running this business and have been, we launched just over a year ago and um, we've been working on the business for two years. It's a very unique space for, in, in terms of like the clients that you deal with, they're like go-getter producers looking to optimise what they can do with their farm and try to make that process a little bit quicker. Is that what you're seeing coming through as your clients as well? Yeah, 100%, Jack. You know, our clients, what truly impresses me is just how commercial and progressive, um, you know, growers are in our industry and, you know, the number of risks that they're managing on a property at any point in time, you know, whether that's assessing the amount of feed that's out there, um, you know, managing cash flow, um, animal welfare, um, logistics, um, you know, often working with families, so family matters, you know, it's just, it's truly impressive. And, um, you know, we are seeing producers, you know, progressive producers who are doing well, you know, purchasing additional properties. The banks are often very happy to fund those properties, um, but there might not always be, you know, enough money around for working capital, and that's where we come in. Yeah, I was just about to go into that. Like you do, you buy now the price of property where it's at, um, and you also need to stock that, whether with with equipment or with livestock, and that sort of hurdle of getting that extra finance for that. So that's that's actually a channel that you sort of fill that gap, is it? Yeah, that's right. So you know, we we, we the kinds of clients that are using. Uh, the livestock finance, um, they're growing yep. and we can provide that working capital. It's complementary to what they might be getting from the bank. Our primary security is the livestock. Um, we do come in behind the bank with secondary security. We take a caveat over uh, real estate, um, but it's really about the livestock um, that we're, you know, we're funding and, you know, clients who are purchasing properties or that want to free up working capital, they want to do the fencing, additional fencing, they want to um, improve waters, they want to invest in yards. It's like, well, if we finance some of the livestock, they can free up that working capital, they can do those improvements, they can in turn, you know, carry higher AEs, higher numbers, improve efficiencies and do those sorts of things. So that's how we see clients use our finance. Throughout like the industry, like we we're like a one, two, three person sort of team rolling around. And that's who I wanted to initially sort of first help for those sort of teams. And then that can um sort of free what they do accessing this information. Um but for those people that are needing that sort of assistance, that backing um to get to the sort of next level um to scale out their operations, how are you seeing it currently? Like when was it that it started? 21, 22? Yeah, 21 we started. We opened, we started lending about 12 months ago. Yeah, so you started lending in quite a good market. Have you seen a bit of a shift? Like have people already started to, um, I don't know, utilise it more or less because it's drying off a bit? Or how, how have you seen that in the last year or so? Yeah, well, absolutely most recently, you know, it's winter. So, you know, not a lot of buying. It's sort of seasonal. Um coming into the spring and, you know, where prices have come to, you know, we are seeing some clients see real opportunities there. Um, 
it is also dry in, in some places. So, you know, again, going to that point around, you know, clients being risk managers, you know, you've, you've got movements in underlying prices. Um, if they're feeding, they've got to manage, you know, the, the cost of feed, um, manage, um, you know, how much it costs to deliver improvements on a, on a property. So we are seeing clients manage those risks, think about the traits and really sort of come forward and say, actually, I think I can lease a block down the road um, that does have good feed and I'd like to run additional, you know, backgrounders. Can you have a look at my financial situation and the way that I'm doing business and help me understand whether I'm a, a candidate for lifestyle finance? So, you know, the opportunities are there for a lot of clients, particularly, you know, with current prices. Some clients are seeing those opportunities to buy. What's, what is the screening process? You just sort of mentioned, like, if you're a good candidate for it. Obviously, um, you get a fair few inquiries that you can't always fulfill. What is the scenario that you can fulfill? What are we looking for? Yeah, so the way we start is always having a chat to the client. So either, you know, filling an application form, pretty short application online, or just picking up the phone, um, giving us a ring, you'll chat to somebody who's very skilled, um, probably Richard or Nick, and ask a series of questions, have a bit of a chat. We always come out and see our clients. So we'll come on farm and sit around the kitchen table and have a chat about what our clients are trying to achieve. And we'll be really open about whether we can help or not and, and why. And, and often we see clients, you know, address those things and come back or go, thanks for the feedback. That's really good to understand. So it's clients that, you know, have a, a reasonable asset base, um, you know, that typically do have loans from the bank or, or otherwise. Uh, there's a fair bit of equity in there. Um, we're, we're looking at the amount of uh, the size of the loan relative to the um, strength of the financial position of the client. We're looking at the management practices on property, um, including animal welfare. Um, we're looking at the way the clients conduct themselves in the local community um, and, you know, uh, conduct conduct themselves generally. Um, so, you know, the normal stuff, you do the credit checks. Um, and a big, big part of it is the on-farm visit. You know, how's, how's the property looking? You know, oh, yeah, those look like reasonable yards and doing a pretty good job with the cattle. They look pretty healthy. Um, you know, what's the grass looking like? Is there a reasonable feed there? Oh, how many are you running? How many do you typically run? All the normal things that any person probably would have a yarn with their neighbour about. You know, we're we've got you know a team that understands, um, you know, understands producers and um, and wants to try and find a solution. Yeah, I think going back to that question of like welfare for the animals, um, does it add like that? is looking for that sort of social license being we're in the media more often at the moment because the welfare for our livestock um, and trying to prove that from the farmer producers back end. Um, how much does that play a role in getting this sort of through the finance? Yeah, look, we, it's very dear to our heart, yeah. um, you know, animal welfare. And I think anyone who's in the industry would say on average, you know, that, you know, producers have got animal welfare actually very, very close to their hearts. There are, you know, there are those instances where you do see it on the front of the paper, you know, paper in the media, but 
you know, generally, I think, you know, I've been delighted with the way, you know, we conduct ourselves as an industry. Um, obviously, there's always those cases. We have a zero tolerance for animal welfare issues. We we monitor um, producers and we we do have a no trade. Like we, you know, there's certain producers that, you know, if they are, have had an instance of an animal welfare, we won't, we, you know, we can't. We won't and we can't uh, support their businesses. Um, we are sourcing our funds from, you know, investors and uh, credit funds, banks that, you know, are looking to ensure that their money goes places where it's responsible and sustainable. And, um, you know, we have a responsibility you know, overall to our animals, but to our, you know, to, to the community in general, and then in turn also to our investors and yeah. and debt funders to, you know, be really considered about that. And that is one of the things we, you know, do personally assess when we come on property. Um, and look, we're a small industry. You know, one of the things I love about our industry is you, you know, you're the local pub in a town and you, oh, so-and-so, no, so-and-so. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing the wrong thing, Yep. You bet somebody in that community knows. It's no, it's there's no hiding it. It's one of the wonderful things about agriculture is people do still know each other very intimately. Um, a little bit different to maybe some city city roles where you don't always know everyone, you know. It's not as easy to maybe get a read on things. Mm. Yeah, I think if you're getting a couple hundred grand to buy livestock anyway, you're not looking to have a welfare problem for your sheep or your cattle um for that. Have you gone into sort of niche? areas um water buffalo or something or you sort of the clientele is around the sheep cattle uh industries yeah look cattle and sheep really um you know maybe as we you know get, get a lot bigger down the track we might consider uh, but you know it's pretty much cattle and sheep and yeah how, how's it working within feedlot sort of situations uh, because that would actually be quite a quicker turnover, I'd imagine, rather yeah. than bringing them onto your place. Um, and then how does that work with the drawn out ones, I suppose, bring them back to your farm? Yeah, you're talking my language, you know, quicker turnover. I mean, we've got, you know, trades that are longer, you know, the feedlots are quicker. We do fund feedlots, you know, we fund the feed um, and we provide those feed advances. So the way our product work works is we approve a limit for a client Yes. Um, whether that's a you know client that's background in cattle um, or feedlot in cattle um, or sheep or whatever it might be and then the client will draw loans under that so you know if you the stock at the Roma sale yards that's a, a loan yep. um, you'll settle that invoice in full um, and then the interest will accrue on a monthly basis and then at the end of the trade um, and the end of the trade might actually be the client bought 100 steers and maybe only sold, you know, the lead 40 in and amongst a whole lot of others. Um, you know, we'll we'll settle the trade and it might be a mixed bag and we, we can manage that. You know, it might be a mixed bag from three loans under that limit. We can manage that and then the client gets um, the profit that comes out of the trade. Um, so um, how does it work? We're settling an invoice, whether that's a feed feed advance or, um, you know, it's the purchase of livestock in a backgrounding scenario. And then at the end of the trade, we're um, paying the profit to the client. There's quite a few avenues. The feed um, feed financing, I suppose you call it, uh, that is working within the feed loading game. Um, 
and not on farm if it dries up a bit to feed out? Like if that deep... Yeah, we, we can do it on farm too, you know, so a client that is, um, you know, feeding on farm, yep. um, we can consider those feed advances as well. And we actually are seeing quite a lot of clients think about that. Um, we were in, in Holbrook just on Thursday and Friday last week and, you know, there is a bit of talk of, you know, setting up some feeding on properties just to, you know, manage through drought, mitigate again, mitigating risks, thinking ahead, creating those um, situations where, you know, the, the cattle and the sheep are looked after. And if there is some dry conditions that, you know, there is a backup plan. Yeah, it's mm. like just trying to retain the feed out in the paddock as well as the ground cover and everything like that. I'd imagine as the years sort of run on to you, the back end data that you see and the sort of trends of what producers are doing and what they aren't doing, I think that would be a pretty cool sort of report at the back end just to, it's sort of supplementary financing um, the genre, I suppose, for it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And look, our clients take us to the best commercial trades. Yeah. You know, they're assessing, you know, this yourself, you know, you're assessing the various buy-in prices, sell prices, trades, length of trade, when do you sell, you know, how fat, fat does the animal need to be, where, which selling centre do you take it to, what is the logistics cost of moving the, the animal from one selling center to another and I mean it's very sophisticated work that our clients are doing and so they'll always you know our philosophy is the good you know progressive clients they're they're making those commercial judgments all the time yeah and the psychology of like if you buy in a couple hundred head of cattle or even sheep um, and when needing like when you should sell those hold them or you should buy some more in those sort of decisions I find pretty fascinating about how people react under duress or different situations if you've got feed you're probably making a bit better decision rather than you're under the pump um with a couple of years under your belt how do you sort of see those scenarios sort of working together and um how that can sort of play out mm. yeah look i think it's it's human psychology isn't it i mean you know you see it in investing markets it's not dissimilar you know sort of this whole school of behavioral finance you know when a the market's dropping, people sell, you know, and then market's increasing, everybody sort of jumps in. I think, you know, maintaining a disciplined approach, you know, um, if the animal's reached its ideal weight, um, you know, you'll make profit on some trades and, you know, losses on others. I mean, I think it's, but we're all human, you know, everyone's, so I think, you know, I can't really, comment too much because I'm not sort of doing a day-to-day -day, but I really do feel for clients who you know where you know the logical decision might be different to the one the clients might be making but you you get it I mean we're all human right and um sometimes the market does come back or falls further you just you don't really know you're making an assessment at the time yeah. and um you know th those underlying prices um you don't really know where they're going to go. Um, so I think just thinking it through and, you know, making those informed decisions as best as anyone can. Uh, but, you know, we are human. We, you know, I do it in my own life too, you know, sometimes make the, the not so logical decision, but. Yeah, and then you'll have a more informed decision off the back of that. Um, so we've, 
chatted about a few scenarios there, but you've also got calculators online, which is quite a useful tool for someone to run their own scenario in. Um, just run me through those quickly and see how people can um, quickly get to know what they're doing. So I hope you're really enjoying this episode, but can you please do me a huge favor? Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and even as a cherry on top, give us a review on Apple or Spotify. That just allows us and more farmers to listen in, to hear this content, and they don't need to travel a thousand Ks just to become successful. So make sure you share it around. Back to the episode. So the the intent of the calculators online are to help uh, prospective clients and existing clients make an assessment of, you know, what what's it going to cost me to enter this trade? So you might have a cattle trade at 270 days. Um, you can make an assumption on what you can buy in. You know what local prices are. You're sort of ready, ready to head off and, and buy stock. You sort of might assume that the market drops. You might assume that the market is flat or increases sort of at some point in the future, 270 days or 180 days. You know what kind of animal you're you know, targeting to buy in terms of weight. And then you're saying, well, what is this livestock finance going to cost me? You know, how much is it going to cost? Um, a typical trade, assuming the buy-in price and, and exit price are the same, is around $6 of profit for the client versus $1 in uh, finance cost. And so if you've got a property and you can, you've got grass for a thousand head, but you can only fund 700, the idea is that, you know, you can generate an additional, you know, profit and cash flow from using the product. So that's what the calculators are there for. Yeah. Um, there to kind of, you know, inform the decision, have a bit of a, a look at what it can cost and um, be, a, be a tool for our clients in considering those trades. Do you have an average day that clients, like utilize the finance for, so you're going to sell at end of hundred days or something like that. Especially for feedlots, they would know that number a lot better than out on the farm. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's different for every client. You know, sometimes a client will say, "Oh, look, this is six months trade," and then you know, eight months in, they're they're holding on to the animal might have not performed as well. Um, the lead might have gone out at five months, and there's still a tail. Um, in the feedlot, it's pretty structured. You know, they know what the average daily weight gains are. They know the average, you know, weight in, what they're targeting. They know how those, you know, animals are converting. So um, that's pretty structured. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, how the animals perform. You know, sometimes it's wet. The sh the, you know, sheep might not go as well as, you know, the client thought. Or they hold on to the sheep that want to, you know, get another wool clip. Um, so, you know, the trades do change. We, so we, you know, we'll ring the client and say, Hey, you know, you sort of said six months, how are you tracking? But there's no fixed period. A client has to buy and sell, you know, typically it's, you know, a 12 month up to 12 months. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just get an indication, okay, it's a background. And so what do you reckon Oh, nine months or, oh, it's a, you know, it's, you know, a longer trade or a shorter trade or whatever it might be. So we do get that indication sort of coming in, but, you know, also we recognise things can change and the client might change how long they want to hold the animal for. It's just about a bit of ongoing contact with the farmers, the producers, trying to get those animals up to a certain weight. Yeah, that's right. And we, we're talk, talking to our customers really 
regularly because, you know, a client that has a million dollar limit might actually do 10 different lines. There's 10 invoices. And then when they sell, they might actually have, you know, 10% of every line as they've drafted the animals and, um, you know, finished them. They might actually, you know, sell from different mobs. And so, you know, we're chatting to the clients. Oh, where would you like that profit paid? I'll just check in. You want it in that account? Yep. Great. How's, you know, how's things? Yeah, have you had any rain? You know, just might have a little bit of a yarn and then move on. So because it's, you know, buying and selling, livestock is quite transactional you know we're touching the client regularly and, and we we love loving having a bit of a catch-up <laughs> absolutely those weekly market catch-ups they're pretty good as well or like you've been on farm a bit or and all your team have been on farm to check out the clientele that are coming in to legacy livestock what does a le- legacy livestock producer look like what does their farm look like like you said about their achievements like that initial question you asked, what are they looking to achieve um, in that five-year period sort of thing? Mm. Our clients are generally growing. Um, they're generally in a bit of a hurry. You know, they're probably growing a little bit faster than the bank can digest. Like um, property size or head per hectare sort of thing? Just the way they're doing things, you yeah. know. They, they they can, you know, see that that, you know, fencing needs to be addressed, but, you know, they want to get on with it they can you know recognize that it makes sense to aggregate the property next door that's for sale they can get the bank to fund it but they you know can't get enough finance um to fully stock it so they're progressive they're excited um all ages you know we've got you know the 30 something young couple to the you know families that are supporting one another into the next generation you know um we've got um you know, clients that have been operating for 40 years who, you know, still got a real buzz about them and continuing to do different things. So um, it's all sorts, you know, some clients want half a million dollars, some clients want $3 million, some clients only want $100,000. And so um, very motivating, motivating people, you know, like, um, so, um you know, what does the average client look like? It's a client who wants to, you know, access finance to do stuff. And that stuff might be, okay, I want to invest in capital. I want to um, have additional stock running on this property because I'm more confident now in terms of my grazing management. You know, I've, they might've done a lot of work on rotational grazing. They might've put additional fences in. So they've got smaller paddocks. They're more confident they can hold additional stock or they bought the property next door um, or they got so confident in what they're doing or keen to lease a block and, you know, run additional livestock. So we're seeing a lot of different um, ways our clients are using our funding and that's why we don't have a one size fits all. It's not like you have to trade in six months and you have to repay in six months or eight months or nine months. It's like, what do you need? What are you trying to achieve? And we will have a chat with you about a lifestyle finance solution to try and work with you in what you need and give you a solution. That's what that's what really gets us excited. You know, oh, how do we how do we help that client? Um, so, um, yeah, there's not really a one size fits all, Jack. It's a bit of a tell us what you need and we'll try and help you. Yeah, the more I deliver these talks or talk to the farmers in the background, like it just amazes me 
you think you know that region, but then they operate so differently. Um, and like coming in with the climate um, and the climate sort of changing, we've got a bit of an early spring, even though the evenings are still quite cold in Central West New South Wales here. Um, but I think it'd be great to be a fly on the wall in these conversations um, just to see how different operators work. Oh, Jack, it's, you know, I, I'm so humbled. You know, I, I go out, I, I don't go out nearly as enough, enough as I would I would like to and, you know, always want, always keen to go out with with the guys. But, you know, you sit around the kitchen table and it's, you know, we're, we're, so, we're so modest, I think, in, you know, as a sector. I think, you know, you can have a client worth, you know, an eye-watering acid position and you're sitting around the kitchen table and you're having a chocolate digestive biscuit out of the, you know, the knocked up, you know, biscuit tin and you're just, you're having a, a lovely chat and, you know, this person sitting opposite you is, you know, more successful than 10 other people you met in the middle of Sydney at a work thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, wonderful to, you know, I do really feel at home in the industry, just, you know, just how you can always meet, you meet anyone you can have a chat with, you know, and just kind of go, oh yeah, what are you up to? And people are always keen to have a bit of a cuppa or a beer or something. So yeah, I really like that about our industry. Yeah, we, we definitely are humble. Like they may be signing 1 million, 3 million sort of contract with you and then they're giving you instant coffee and they're just on the run. They've got these things going on. If you look at them, like, walking down the street, you wouldn't even know sort of operation. They should be classed as farming CEOs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, honestly, like some of the people, you know, we interact with, you You know, you just, yeah, it is super humbling. I like that, farming CEOs, absolutely. You know, the risk managers, you know, yeah. you think about the careful decisions that any, any one of, you know, growers are making daily. It's okay. How am I going to manage this? There's quite a few factors out of our control in our industry. You know, whether that's weather, commodity prices, uh, we're dealing with live animals. You know, so you've got to you've got to be on your game. You got to know what you're doing, and our clients do, and people in our industry do. Yeah, it's very very um, humbling. Yeah, mm. but they won't say it. So hopefully, we can get a few more on the podcast. But we've chatted about the ambitions of your clients and producers that are go getters. Where do you see legacy livestock going in the next five, 10 years? Where would you like it to go? What was that sort of your own sort of kitchen table chat, your goal? Yeah, yeah I, I think the folks on the client, you know, sort of being, you know, keeping operating five or 10 years from now in a way that's like puts the client first. I think, you know, that's that's our ambition and our vision, you know, is, is keeping doing something meaningful for the industry, you know, um, and, you know, growing in a way that means we can, you know, keep raising finance and, you know, getting off scale so that, you know, it remains cost effective and, you know, improves. So, you know, the, you know, as we grow, we can attract, better financial uh you know better funding lines and that in turn you know means we can be you know sustainable and you know deliver longer term so but it's client 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 you know and i think if we can maintain that special small agile 
solution for the client focus, I think that'll be a, you know, wonderful outcome for us in terms of our company vision and, you know, where we're going over the next 10 years. It's been amazing to find out a bit more about yourself, Sophia, and your business, taking it forward as a co-founder of Legacy Livestock. But what's one piece of farms advice you'd like to pass on from this conversation? What's one thing you'd like producers to know um, how they can work a little bit better? Yeah, thanks, Jack. I think this is a very interesting question. And um, I, I think, you know, the one one piece of advice is there is a lot of value in planning. Yeah. You know, and it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to take a day out or take an afternoon out and just sit quietly and say, okay, what's the plan for the next three months? What's the plan for the next week? And what what are the things that could happen? You know, what are the scenarios? Okay, if it's dry or gets drier, what are we going to do? What is it, is, are we going to think about that in a week, a month, three months? And, you know, most people are managing grass. They know how much feed is on property when it's, it's that planning and it's the family conversations and it's, you know, I, I feel that there is, you know, a lot of value in planning and, and look, you, you can have a plan a month or go to plan, but then you'll create a new plan. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, plan. yeah. And you'll, but so you'll revisit the plan and go, okay, we thought this, did that work out? Yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. Tick. Oh, we thought this, but it didn't really work out like that. Okay. What are we going to do? Whereas, you know, we're all busy, you know, you you know, we're we're getting on with things. And I think just taking the time to plan feels like it, you know, in my opinion, it 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 is really useful exercise. Absolutely. This year I've been um I sort of framed it around frameworks and structures processes for farmers, producers to get it extract a little bit from each guess of that. So I think that's fantastic about the planning of it. It goes really well for my um, hidden theme for the year anyway for what I wanted to do for our farm but Sophia how can we get in touch how can we find out a bit more by Legacy Livestock don't be humble yourself um, for the farm CEOs how how can they get in touch yeah look um, jump to our website legacylivestock.com.au uh, ring us 1300 965 683 um, and we'll pick up the phone or ring you right back so um, it's a bit of a race to who picks it up. We have a bit of a giggle if it rings more than three times and probably get Richard or Nick, but you might get Abby or myself or, you know, someone else in the team. So, yeah, please ring us. We'd love to have a chat. Uh, we're pretty open um, we're, and we're happy to take any questions. So, um, you know, please ring us and have a chat. We'd be delighted, you know, to see if we can help. Amazing. And we'll have the links in the show notes as well. So you can just drop down below. Um, if you're keen on it. So, Sophia, thank you very much for coming on the Farms Wise podcast. Thanks so much, Jack. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. So this episode was going into livestock financing and how it may work for producers out there looking to free up their own working capital um, and how that may be an element into their business and how they can actually succeed off the back of it i think it's always interesting to have these conversations whether you're using it or not um it's pretty cool that we get to have the likes of sophia and thank you so much for her time coming on um when really you wouldn't actually hear about livestock finance via podcast um so hopefully we're making that a little bit more normal 
on the Farms Advice podcast so that farmers out there can succeed in what they do, but they can also find out what others are doing, what's available, products and services, and who's actually in your corner vouching for you, trying to get the most out of your farm. So it's a very unique sort of position that agriculture is in. Those products and services that are servicing us are really there to enhance and grow our own businesses um, and we're at the very middle of that as farmers so we really need to harness um, our own capabilities but ensuring that we have the capacity to do so anyway i tend to ramble on i'll let this get underway but make sure you do subscribe to this podcast i think it's around 50 percent of the listenership currently are subscribed um, so there's 50 percent more to go and that is the element that Apple and Spotify drive it out to more listeners um, and we are battling against all the other businesses podcasts out there and I think last year or the year before we actually came in 15th and we held that for 10 days um, so let's get us back up there for the Aussie farmers until next Tuesday keep on farming <laughs>